Hello and welcome to The Monthly Dose, a place to destigmatize chronic conditions with experts, patients, advocates, you name it. My name is Nicholas Fossil, healthcare expert, CEO of FOMAP, and founder of FIBO. Six out of every 10 adults in the U.S. have a chronic condition. We're all perfectly imperfect. Join today with my cousin. Hi, Shiny. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today on our uh, very special potty. Yes, we call it potty every now and then, podcast <laughs> episode. And uh, we look forward to meeting you and kind of diving in. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, so my name is Shiny. I am 31 years old. I live in Montreal, Quebec. Um, I kind, quote unquote, kind of live a normal life. I, I have a full-time job and I accountant uh for a national railway of canada um i when i don't do that i'm doing a lot of other things i like to keep busy um a part of that stems from me being diagnosed with a rare eye disease when i was 21 and i come from a south asian background so like in our culture we kind of don't talk about a lot of things especially when it comes to illness or anything that can make you seem like you're less less valuable or if you're broken or however you want to say it so at 21 I kind of was just like okay like to like I guess I was in denial too let's be honest um I kind of kept myself busy so like I started a cake business I was working like two jobs or just to like not to deal with it and a lot of good did come out of it like I I came across a skill that I didn't know I had I met a lot of people in jobs I didn't think I would ever do like work at Sephora um so it was a way for me to kind of like avoid reality um so that happened and then like at the age of 24 I kind of had just got sick of it because I was I kept having to lie because I was hiding so like as my vision was getting worse so the rare disease that I have is a genetic eye disease so as I get older the photoreceptors in my eyes are slowly dying because my gene is mutated so it doesn't have the nutrients or like the genetic build keep it going on longer but as you get older they kind of die off so like when i got diagnosed it was a shock because like i didn't notice any symptoms but i was born with it so as i got older and i was trying to hide it it kind of got harder so like there's only so long that i could have pulled like the oh shit i'm drunk that's why i missed that step card kind of a thing it kind of like it gets it builds a toll on you right so like I at that age of 24 I had some personal issues that like certain person in my life didn't want to be in my life anymore because they didn't think their parents would be okay with it so like everything kind of just like built and I was just like you know what I can't do this anymore like I'm not even living my life anymore because I'm trying to be someone else for the entire world and like it, it ate at me and so I was like, okay I'm done so my way of opening up like I didn't want to sit down with every single person in my life like from like my dance team to my clients, like it was going to take too long. So I was like, what is the easiest way to kind of just come clean? Um, so I wrote an article and it published in February of 2015. And I published, I turned off all my social media because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't know how it was going to go. I literally just published, didn't look at my phone all day. But like my sister and my parents were like, like my parents actually didn't call right away. My sister called and was like, you know, like your articles, like people are actually doing like responding really well like no one's giving you backlash no one's saying anything so that was when I realized like it was all just like in my head the fear everything was in my head that people wouldn't accept me because of my visual impairment or because of the eye disease that I have 
I, like I was scared my clients wouldn't come back to me for my cakes because they'll be like, oh, well, I don't want a blind girl doing my cake. Like all these things were in my head. And like, so my way of opening up was writing a story and coming clean. And that was like a very pivotal moment in my life because that opened doors for me in ways that I never thought. Like I wouldn't be here today talking to you guys. I don't think if that article did not get published. So shiny, you know, you published February, 2015, yes. by the way. Great. I mean, that's awesome that you, you, you got out there. What are the ramifications or kind of like the things that have come since then? Um, so one big thing was, uh, since I was in denial, like I never really reached out or like was around other people with other visual impairments. Like I was around my friends and family and like, as everyone knows, like your friends and family love you no matter what, but like, there's always some sort of like bias protection mode that they go into that they don't really like fully tell you how it is, or they're scared to even understand it. So like me publishing this, um, the article kind of fell into the hands of Huffington Post at one point. So, so that kind of helped some other people see it. And, uh, in 2015 of October, I got, uh, I got to be a national young leader for the visually impaired of Canada. So that opened a lot of doors for me because in the fall that year, I got to go to like a a conference in Toronto and I was the first time I was in a room with other young adults with visual impairments. And like, it was so refreshing to meet other people, like people who had vision loss the same way that I did. Some people had a guide dog, some people were using their white cane. So it was kind of like, it was eye opening, no pun intended uh to see like the different ways that people are living regardless of their visual impairment and like for me all this time I was always so scared to be in a place like that because I thought it would just scare me to see someone with a guide dog and be like okay like that's going to be me in a couple of years and so I was always afraid to deal with it so that was one thing that I got to do and now ever since then now I go across Canada at least like three times a year and I do different conferences I get to meet other visually impaired adult, young adults do seminars about like ways for them to help find jobs, just kind of navigate in life, help them find resources. It's just something that I wish I had when I was 21 coming out of school and like kind of feeling lost. So that's one amazing thing that I got out of it. And I made some really great friends that I still keep in contact with. We still talk on our group chats every day. So, and it's just nice to have other friends, like other people who are kind of going through the similar thing as you. So like when you come across something, you can be like, Hey, have you heard about this? Or do you know, have you been through this before? So that was one thing that was really liberating just to be able to connect with other people going through things. So rare disease, just to kind of, for our listeners, hmm. what makes something considered to be rare versus just a normal, if you will, quote unquote, normal disease? Uh, it's honestly, so I have retinitis pigmentosa. So it's a very, it's a genetic disease. So even with, retinitis pigmentosa like even if you meet someone else with uh, retinitis pigmentosa you're not going to have the same kind because it's so gene specific so in my case my I'm like a big guinea pig in this world of science right now because they still haven't been able to identify which one of my genes is the mutation so we still don't know why I have RP like no one knows all these scientists and people trying to figure out stuff like everyone's been asking for my blood sample because they want to figure out why I have RP because it doesn't make sense. So it's, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I, I have my, okay, I'm no scientist. Okay. I'm an accountant. I'm a nerd with numbers, but like 
I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So that's like a hormonal, like a hormonal imbalance in your body that causes like cysts and like, uh, I went into early menopause when I was 28. I have a whole book of like medical stuff. So, um, so like, I also have that. That's also like an autoimmune disease in a weird way. That's also by hormonal imbalance. So right. I sometimes think I'm like, maybe my RP is hormonal because like also when your hormones aren't balanced, you can have vision loss. Like it's like when you get pregnant, some people lose some vision loss because their hormones are so off. So sometimes I wonder like, is it more hormonal than it is genetics? Because they haven't been able to figure out the genetic mutation in my case. And they tested my entire family. No one in my parents or like sisters carry the gene either. So like, we're kind of just trying to figure out what's happening. And then this year, in March, we found a hole in my macula. So I had two surgeries in the last two months, which aren't, oh, related, which aren't related to my RP. So, like, I'm, like, rare as it gets. It's more rare than the regular case. You know what? I, I see that in a, in, a, in a joking manner, but mm-hmm. you're you're in a, rare in a good way, too, right? You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're special, right? Especially, that, that's the way I see it. I, I'm sorry, but... Um, let me ask you another question. The blind mm-hmm. people, you're now meeting with a lot of people mm-hmm. in, in these conferences that are have it at a different stages throughout. Um, yeah, have it in different stages. And yeah. science hasn't evolved quickly enough, perhaps, right? You're 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 also involved, you, you know, your 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 rare disease is kind of progressing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, two questions. Do you A see science being there? early enough for it to catch and help you hopefully um and 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 b if not walk me through kind of you said that at first you didn't even want to meet with people because you didn't want to like accept this like you know this this huge hurdle right uh which is i mean makes sense but Mm -hmm. now that you have how has that like empowered you so in my case the only reason we caught this at 21 is because I switched uh, optometrist when I was 21 and I just switched doctors and he just did a regular eye exam. He took a picture of the retina and he was like, okay, well, this doesn't look normal. And he's been in the industry for so long. He was like, I think you're actually my first patient that I'm going to diagnose with RP, but he couldn't diagnose it. I had to go see a specialist and it's, I didn't notice any symptoms to be honest. Cause it's like your vision is kind of hard to like, if there was like a physical impairment, like if I only had like four fingers, I could obviously be like, oh shit, I'm missing something. Like I'm missing a finger. How come you have five fingers? It's like easy to kind of compare, right? But vision, like I grew up with the vision I have, right? So like I couldn't compare and be like, hey, how can you see this? And I don't like, unless you vocalized and said something. But like, to me, I always thought like, oh, it's it's dark. That's why I can't see like who, what human actually sees in the dark. Like I, that was my thought process. Right. And like, I remember like after I got diagnosed, I was like, shit, that makes so much sense. I was such a klutz as a child. Like I remember going to retreating and being like, why did I trip over that step? Like this house doesn't have enough lighting, but it wasn't the owner of the house, like their fault. It was my eyes. And it's just like, it's hard to like compare to other people till you, and then you get diagnosed and you're like, okay, this shit makes sense. Like, this is why I wasn't able to see as a child or like, oh, this is why I have trouble going down the steps. Like, you know, then you start like, obviously I got diagnosed. I came home, I Googled probably the worst thing I ever did. 
and right so like and this is like back in 2000 what are we at we're 20 so 2011 um so and i remember googling like rp and back then like science isn't where it is today um and i remember like there was like it just said like there's no cure you're gonna go blind that's it and there there was like one treatment in cuba and it was like crazy amount of money and it basically like the person doing the procedure was like I can't tell you what I'm doing, but you have to come in here blindly, no pun intended, and do, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do to you and you'll be fixed. I'm like, I'm not going to pay X amount of money for you to do whatever, take organs, and then so-called cure me. I was like, no, like that, that was back in 10, like 10 years ago, right? And now there's a lot that's going on. Like Canada just approved a, a genetic a gene therapy that's like with stem cells. Um, unfortunately, it's not for my kind of RP. It's for a specific gene mutation, but it's still amazing because it's for a gene mutation where they're able, they unfortunately see the signs of the RP much earlier, like when they're like four or five. And then most people end up losing their complete vision with that gene mutation by the time they're like 12, 14. Oh, wow. So having this, imagine a mom being told like your son or daughter has this specific RP in the past it was unfortunately we have nothing that we can do for you but now it's okay but we do have a gene therapy that can be done our government's still working on making it accessible so they don't have to pay for it through our medicare but it, it literally just happened a month ago so like it's it's hopeful because like 10 years ago we had no hope right so that's that and then like the your second question like how like meeting other people and how that's changed it's just it's crazy because like if I talk if you talk to me or any of my other friends who are visually impaired like I would never change my life like I think maybe at 21 I would have been like oh I'll do anything not to get this diagnosis like 100 percent 21 to 23 I probably would have told you that but now I look back on my life and I'm like I would have never done like I hated public speaking as a child I hated it hated it I wanted to cry and I was a girl who would go to my teacher and be like can I do my presentation at lunchtime when no one's in the classroom like I was that girl so now like I I love talking to people like I love speaking I love I love do I love connecting with people and like that I don't think I would have gotten had I not been diagnosed had I not written my article and like just like connected with people and use my social media for that that kind of platform so like I, to be honest, I don't think my life is bad and, I, and I'm not trying to sound like conceited or like anything, but like the notion that people get is that, oh, well, you're visually impaired, you're blind, like you must have it bad. Like sometimes I hear like some people when they hear for the first time, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I feel bad. Like, I'm sorry. Like, but like, there's no need to be sorry. Like, yeah, it's okay. I have it. I can't change that. But like, I don't think my life is bad. And like a lot of people that you meet that are visually impaired that are, have been dealing with it for X amount of years. We're at that point where this is our life and we don't know anything else but this life. Right. And we right. let it work, right? So honestly, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. But like I'm not to say that there is a treatment I would take it, but like I wouldn't change like right. the process that I've been on, right? Like the process of dealing with it, the process of knowing like my vision has decreased or any of that, I wouldn't take it back. So the the okay, so but, if you were a 21, 20 something where you decided to go to your first conference, right? Mm -hmm. um, had you not gone to your first conference, uh, do you do you see your kind of like if if you could create a kind of like a, a theoretical or a mental yeah. force 
throughout. Would you see that your your thought process today would be different because of the kind of like acknowledging and, yeah. and accepting and slash also educating yourself on all the alternative options, et cetera? Yeah. So the first, before the first conference, which was like in 2015, I I guess you can say like I felt sorry for myself in a sense. I was just like throwing I guess you throw yourself a pity party where you're kind of like, oh, this sucks. Like, you know, I'm going through this. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, you know, you kind of just get in that rut. But then like being there and hearing other people's stories and like seeing people with like guide dogs who are doing stuff and like going to work on their own and like, you know, living alone. At that point, I was living with my parents. So seeing people live on their own and do stuff like it was like uh, it opened my eyes. and like It literally made me be like stop feeling sorry for yourself because like there's worse things that can happen in this world. And like, I'm just there feeling sorry for myself because I have a diagnosis. And so that was like a light switch that went off. And I was just literally, I left that day and I was just like, things have to change the way that I think things have to change the way I feel about my own diagnosis. Right. So if I feel sorry for myself, everyone around me is going to feel sorry for myself. And that's the last thing I wanted. So that was a huge thing for me back then. So you have a, I'm super curious on you decided not to do this medicine in Cuba. And yeah. did you ever hear whatever came out of that? Like this is now a decade later. Did that technology Actually, ever... good question? I never really went back to it. I was just like totally I remember our friends like in our group chat, like recently we had spoken about it, and someone was like, Oh my god, yeah, I came home and I like Googled and that's the one thing I saw and I got freaked out too. So like we all just didn't bother with it because we were just like the fact that they don't tell you what they're doing is a little right. like sketch, right? Like, and like sketch. you hear about you hear about stories where people go to do one surgery and they come out and they're missing organs. You're just like, ah, I'd rather not. Like, I'll I'll keep I'll stick with what I have, you know. So yeah, I never went like back. Two years later, so maybe at this point, that you know, there's, there's yeah. some really good stories or like horror stories. And yeah. Guys in general. Yeah, exactly. But also, it's. Uh, imagine being, let's say it was a scam, being so heartless that you prey on people because they at the, at the thought of losing their vision that you get to yeah. do whatever you want to them. It's, but it's yeah, sad. But There's a lot of countries that do do that. There's a lot of countries that do do that in a lot of places. Like there's even a like a an Indian movie, like a Tamil movie that was made. Basically, like this guy gets blackmailed. Uh, like he basically does something because a doctor tells him, like, I can cure your RP. And says, like, gives him an X amount of money. So he does, like, terrible things to make up the money because he's so desperate for the treatment. But in the end, the doctor was just lying and giving him false hope just to make money. But it happens. But there's also doctors, not only saying doctors, but I'm saying industries in general. Yeah. That you morally justify yourself by saying, hey, I truly believe that this is a treatment for this because my logic says this needs this and this gene. And and they, they themselves, they've almost convince themselves to believe that they're actually doing something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is it self, you know, is it one of those like subconscious thing or, but it, I mean, I, I don't think there's a the side of this Cuban doctor right now. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I, I just don't think it's, I don't think the world is, as, <laughs> I, I, I have a little faith in this world. I think even the yeah. biggest people in the world are I have, convinced. Happy to hear that. But I, I imagine that there are people My- that, Rule. My rule of thumb is if it's not like FDA approved, I'm not doing it. Like it's it's not approved. No, my, yeah. You know what Same I mean? Thing. Like I'm yeah. not doing it. Like you know, I I'm either to be like trials and things and like like you know 
That's I need it to be legit. Like, I'm, career, as, right? as so. much as, but that's what sucks. So some people are just so like longing for a treatment. They're whole, like, as soon as they see something, you know, they're so, okay, let me try it. And especially I, I talk to a lot, a lot of like young parents, like parents who have kids with RP and stuff like that. Like you, they just want to give the best for their child. So they kind of just go on to any hope that they see on the internet. Right. So like, that's, what's a little, like, they just want to give the best for their child. So when they see something like this, they're just like, okay, let's jump on it. Let's do what we can. So that's what we have to be careful. Yeah, no, and, and when you pray on hope, when you pro, pray on yeah. like, like need, that that in itself, you, it's super a fine line. That's mm-hmm. that's when you're entering into this world of of like ethics. Like, is that mm-hmm. right? Is it wrong? And um, but yeah, also, I'm just trying. But but also on the doctor's side a little bit, uh, it does sound so rare. Why did this doctor even? Why would he bother to have a treatment for such a rare disorder? The, that's what my thing is it's so gene specific that i didn't know how, like to me that was what was so sketch i was just like how are you able to cure all kinds of rp when it's so gene specific right so just like i don't know there's like as you get older you become more aware of these things and like you're just like oh okay you're not as naive anymore so i'm just, as i get older i'm just like okay that's like it's it's for sure a scam but then you just think about people who are falling for it and you're like oh this sucks because they're literally going off the fact that it's a rare disease there's no treatment for it so one guy comes up with it and says, I can do it. And everyone's going to flock towards that guy, right? So he, I guess he unfortunately saw an opportunity and he ran with it, which unfortunately sucks. Mind you, we don't know how if it is a scam or not. So <laughs> anyone listening that has done this, I'm really sorry. Well, maybe if, if somebody's hearing this and yeah. they actually did do it for good or bad, you know, reach out. Like, we'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Castro, get on the get on the show. <laughs> Let's not do that. Like all of a sudden, no, no. Uh, the so um, oh god, so now I don't hear any more dogs, right? So good job on, on the controlling of the dog there. So walk to walk walk me through a little bit on the feeling of support from your government uh, from Canada. Do you feel Canada is, is investing enough? resources into rare diseases and more specifically in yours so um in the beginning obviously like i was i was kind of in denial so i never even like ventured into knowing what these benefits and stuff are so especially that's another thing that came out of the conference is meeting other people you're able to talk about resources and things that help us and stuff so um we have something called the canadian national institute for the blind which really helps with like seminars and online. Now a lot of things are virtual just to help you like further in like your career or social life, or if you want to learn how to use like Apple products, but use it on, use it on, on the accessibility side, knowing how to use like voiceover and all those things. They offer stuff like that. And they're a nonprofit and a lot of funding does come from the government. I work closely with the foundation finding blindness of Canada. Also Uh, they're a nonprofit that basically raises money to, give to researchers to come up with treatments into Canada. Um, there's also like, um, there's someone, there's a broadcasting company called AMI, which is also a nonprofit, which is helped by the government also. And they have different TV shows and different segments to help raise awareness. They ha- they try to employ mostly people with uh, visual impairments. So that's actually a great way for people with visual impair- impairments in Canada to have an, a job. Um, the, the Canadian government, I believe it was the last year, did give out a specific quota that the government uh, was saying that they wanted to hire people 
with a disability. So any sort of disability that you have, the government did want to help fill uh, job postings so people with disabilities didn't have a job and income. Uh, another good thing that our government does do for people with disabilities is that we get a tax credit every year. So based on the federal government and then the provincial government also. So because there's certain things that we can't put through insurance. So they give us a tax credit to kind of help us with the adjustments that we have to make into our daily life. Like in my case, like I can't drive to work and stuff. So I do have to take public transportation and stuff like that. So that, that money kind of helps go towards the extra expenses that we have as people with visual impairments or any sort of disability. And uh, even during like COVID right now, uh, the government actually paid a certain amount to people with disabilities because like in my case, like COVID really changed things for me because like I work off of memory and like I go into the same grocery store, I kind of know where things are and wearing glasses and wearing a mask. And now that it's winter, it gets really hard. Like it gets foggy really fast. And like I have a certain way that I go into grocery stores, but now we can only go in one direction in certain places. Things are not placed where they used to be. And like where I'm someone that needs to touch things when I'm walking. So now like with COVID, you don't want to touch a lot of things. You're scared to touch railings. So the government realized a lot of, and like public transportation isn't the safest thing right now, but like people with disabilities and visual impairments lean towards public transportation. So the government did help us out with a little bit of more like funding to each person who is a person with a disability, just to help us with like, if we're taking an Uber now in case of taking the bus because it's safer. So the government has been really supportive to kind of help us live a normal life. And even a lot of like schools and universities are pretty accessible. They're getting on board now than they did before. Um, so it's nice to see that companies do nowadays, I feel like, especially now that everyone's virtual, accessibility is a huge thing. And like Microsoft, like where we're using Teams right now, like Teams is really like stepped up their game with accessibility for people with disabilities. There's closed captioning. There's everything that when you're on a call, you, if you're someone who can't hear, there are features that you can hear. Like there'll be uh, closed captioning on the bottom every time someone talks. So like there's a lot of things I find that like government-wise, corporation-wise, people are getting on the accessibility train right now. And I think they feel like if they're not doing something for accessibility, they feel like they're behind, which is kind of a good thing. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So it's cool. I've been seeing a lot of things that like Google, Microsoft, and like I have some of them on LinkedIn now. So like I see the stuff that they're working on and it's like amazing to see the different things that they're all doing right now. Okay. I don't want to take this too political, but okay. you know, either from, again, Shiny, watch out. Here it goes. Let's go, Nick. Get out. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying I was breaking up. Okay. I don't want to take this too political. And I know he, but he, here's my thing. I think a lot of people aren't aware of like some of the benefits, if you will. Like what you just said, it's super powerful, I think, to me, uh, for both people on the left and for people on the right, to kind of understand where some of these taxpayer dollars are going. And it's yeah. super valuable. Um, you know, that research and development that you're seeing is 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 great from a science perspective, but also from a day-to-day -day perspective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just the ability of, of exactly. being healthy. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's super, and and also yeah. in turn, that's helping the person that doesn't have the rare disease also, mm -hmm. right? You're 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 um, and you know, let's say you did have COVID hypothetically, mm -hmm. uh, it, it allows you to be transported more efficiently and and you know reduce spread, right? Mm -hmm. So you're now reducing spread across 
our community in a, in a, in a more you're reducing it more efficiently. So yeah. it's it's kind of like a win-win if you're if you're looking at it from a, more of a uh, kind of like a net win net loss type of uh, type of viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, Any event, uh, I digress. That yeah. was that was pretty good. I I thought honestly, shiny. I I know my cousin's politics, and I thought I was going to get it. We're going to get into it again, and I was like, no. <laughs> I just said something that more like he, he I think it, it hits more his his like fun spot than more my fun spot. <laughs> why that's why I agreed with it and I thought it was really well said, Nick. Very good. Well, it's <laughs> funny, like I always say, like I also through the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. So like since I'm legally blind, right? Uh if I need to travel, I do need assistance sometimes. So fun fact, if I travel within Canada and I fly through Air Canada, I need someone to accompany me. So it's usually my sister we she doesn't have to pay for her flight so that way the airline isn't responsible for me if something happens my sister is so like there's no legal action on them right so they just cop they just comp her flight so they have they can wash their hands and kind of be like oh no but your sister's in charge of you god forbid something happens on the flight there you go (laughs) so there's that and like there's honestly like there's certain things like obviously like we always like it's more for the safety of our well-being and the airline doesn't want to take responsibility so much. We just, we just put the flight. That's what we do. I love that. Nick. Nick, if you were in charge of me, I think I'd rather go without flight. <laughs> oh my God. No. Yeah. Um, but see, you see that win-win. Like, did yeah. you see that? Win-win? That's huge. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yes, you get you get a, a free ticket out of it, but the, the 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 airline just got you know released of all liability. So yeah. it's like a, a huge event. Like, I mean, yeah. fine either. Huh? Get out of here, Nick. They can't crash the plane either. So get out. No, but haven't you seen like that recently? That person ate an apple and she sued uh, uh, the or somebody sued somebody. I don't know who it was, but the, you, you heard about that one. Your story. No. They ate an apple. But you guys have a lot of like legal actions with your airlines on that side of the world. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So <laughs> quick story. Somebody. I don't know the story how it goes exactly. I read this article like a year ago at this point, but somebody was given an apple on their airline and they arrived into, call it LAX, some US airport, you know, boarding city, call it LAX. They, um, you know, the typical, they give you food on the plane. She yeah. she was given an apple, if, I'm, if memory serves you right, puts it in her purse, walks out, and she's like, oh, I got an apple. I'm not hungry right now. I'm going to eat it later. Puts it in her purse. Goes out, grabs her bags, does immigration, does customs. And as she's leaving, they question her. They're like, wait, you're bringing food. I guess you couldn't bring any nutrient or any particular like fruits mm. or something. And uh, something to that context, to that extent. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have an apple. But at that point, they already had like seen the apple through the x-ray. She forgot. She's like, yeah, I have an, I have an apple from the airplane. And um, yeah, they, they they gave her a fine. And um, what? because of that, I don't know, it was like $100, $200 fine because of having the, the, the U.S. in this case or whichever government entities find her. For bringing an illegal uh, something that was not allowed into the into the country, so she then sued the airline or or the airport or I don't know the entire again. God, uh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh what? man, I thought some. I thought this. I thought you had heard of this. I thought you would have saved me by now. The story is this lady ate an apple or she wasn't hungry, so she didn't eat that. This story sucks, man. We got a lady with RP on. Let's talk. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, uh, she knows. Like, 
the U.S. is super litigious over a lot of things from all yeah, angles. You did say, but then you said whatever country even. So it's like your story doesn't have – Right. But then I was like, wait, what if it was in the US? And now somebody's like questioning cancel society, you know, comes in. Like, <laughs> story I'm just awful. Thinking, sorry, yeah. Shiny. It's I'm fine. So sorry, yeah. Shiny. I, oh, I apologize for my cousin. He's interrupting right. me here. Horrible storytelling abilities. When's the, last time, when's the last time you went on an airplane that had an apple on it? Nick, what the hell? Maybe, maybe it's because of this story that we don't get to eat apples on a flight anymore, though. Like, maybe. There it is. No, Thank you, Shiny. As you were saying the story, I'm like trying to think, like, did I ever get a food on a flight? But I don't think so. That's <laughs> all because of this story. Must have been like, for me, at least 30 plus years ago, because I've never had <laughs> an apple on a plane ever. So well, maybe it wasn't an apple then. Maybe it was like something, uh, a sandwich. A something like a sandwich. All right. <laughs> this is awful. All right. All right. All right. Well, you know. Fine. We have just a few more minutes here with Shiny. Let's let, let's <laughs> let's appreciate her time. Shiny, do you have any Apple stories before we? Before we... <laughs> no, <laughs> I do not have any Apple stories. I'm sorry. I got um. All right, let me see if I have an Apple story. Just kidding. Um, I got I got a question, Shiny. This one, hmm. if, if if you don't want to answer, I understand. What is um? I mean, ultimately, you are you're going to be left with no vision, correct? The RP will leave you. What image are you are you excited to never have to see again in your life? Oh God! This guy. Right here. This, this um. No, no I, I, mean, I never thought. To be honest, like I'm very optimistic, and I'm like, it's never gonna happen. So I'm just like, oh, because like to the point where like like I'm lucky because I got diagnosed so late that like the doctors are kind of like, okay, you might be able to just kind of keep going at where you are. If you, if I keep a, like a healthy lifestyle and everything, things kind of just can stay stable and nice. like, you know, nice. reduce my alcohol intake, which I've been really good about. So like all those things. And so, uh, I never really thought about it. Cause I think I like, I didn't, I didn't want to put it into the universe. I just never thought about it. I love that answer. <laughs> so Sorry, I, I don't know. Now, now I'm thinking. Now I'm like, what, what? is advancing, hopefully, yeah. and you know, hopefully that will never occur. And mm -hmm. if it does, I promise you it's going to be his face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, God. I've never seen it again. I truly believe that, by the way. <laughs> and that was something that was happening. I was like, I just the one thing is I don't have to see Nick anymore. That's like, that's so great. Hey, Joe, you're lying. You know, you want to see Nick. You, you can't go out without seeing Nick. I'm hating you. This is the worst. <laughs> we just started this video thing now. So this is the first podcast we're recording with video. It's the worst thing that's ever. I want to quit this podcast now. Because I'm <laughs> yeah. face. It's okay. I wear PJs on the bottom. My bottoms are PJs on top. I'm like, I'll just wear something nice on top. Oh, you look that podcast. You look great. I like the video podcast, but this guy is ruining this whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right well shiny you i didn't know about the pjs but other than that uh, <laughs> you look amazing thank you so much for coming on with us and um, I, again i do apologize for my cousin but I'm shy from that i appreciate you coming on with us and I, hopefully you can come on again in the future yeah that'd yes. be great yeah